Welcome, everybody, to the next special edition of the American Shoreline podcast from EarthX in Dallas, Texas at Fair Park. Uh, we have been uh, sitting in on the energy panel today and have uh, very fortunate to secure, I think, one of the most exciting speakers that I've heard today, uh, Marcus Extivar from the X Prize. Uh, Marcus, welcome to the American Shoreline podcast. Introduce yourself to our audience and tell us what you do and what is the X Prize. Thanks, Peter. Great to be here. So, as you mentioned, I lead the energy group at X Prize, uh, and that means mostly I spend my time managing the team that runs the NRG COSIA Carbon X Prize. So, you might know that X Prize is a not for profit foundation based in Los Angeles, and our goal is to try to inspire and guide humanity by launching prize competitions. These are real competitions with competing teams, and the purpose is to try to solve problems that benefit all of humanity. We pick grand challenges like climate change, disease, artificial intelligence for good, transportation, ocean exploration, and we say, hey, we know there are solutions out there to these big problems. We don't know what they are, but we think the world knows. Someone out there knows. If we could design a game, a competition, to incentivize great solutions to come forward, we'll raise a million dollars, $10 million, $20 million to give away as a prize, as an incentive. So that's what we do. What I really focus on is a prize around mitigating climate change by dealing with CO2 emissions. Fantastic. And people may have heard of the X Prize, uh, the one that I was familiar with. We listened to Amir Ansari. Is he the founder of X Prize or one of the originators of the X Prize competition? Uh, the very famous competition to put a uh, rocket into suborbital uh, uh, level with three people and do it what in within two weeks a exactly. reusable rocket that exactly. was a 10 million dollar prize it was called the ansari x prize okay. because he and his family you know specifically his brother and his sister-in-law uh, his sister-in-law is anusha ansari who i want to bring up because she was one of the first sponsors of the prize and also the current ceo of x prize i see so the three of them recognized peter diamandis vision who's the founder of x prize to say listen yeah it would be great if we could open up space exploration so that it isn't just european space agency nasa Right. Chinese space engine go to space. What if regular people could go to space for all kinds of reasons? So the challenge was the first group to demonstrate a privately developed spacecraft that could go up 100 kilometers and back down and then do it again. Mm-hmm. So you could show this could really be a sort of reusable thing with the weight of three passengers and do it twice in two weeks. Right. $10 million prize. Who can do it? And they ran that challenge for several years and it was achieved in the mid-2000s, which is a huge, huge moment. Right. That was run by Virgin Atlantic, wasn't it? The Virgin... Was that the guy? So, almost. So, who, who, it was who a, took the, the prize? A team called Scaled Composites won it. And then Richard Branson ah. cleverly said, hmm, great idea. idea. I'd like to take that piece of technology and create a space line. I Let's see. call it Virgin Galactic. I see. Cut to 2018. That, that craft called Spaceship One. Spaceship Two yep. had its first flight last year. That's the vehicle it. that they hope that you or I or... Uh, the first people that can afford a ticket can actually go up to space. Well, that's why I wanted our listeners to understand. When you say we've created a game competition, we're trying to incentivize the most brilliant people on the planet to solve our most difficult problems. Uh, the prizes here are in the millions of dollars of cash. I mean, this is real revenue, an incredibly expensive uh, program. Tell us a little bit about the prizes that you can win. I don't mean to sound like this is a raffle because it's not, but it's funny. I mean, it's definitely a game. It's definitely open to everybody, you know, a bit like a raffle. What's different is you have to achieve something extremely difficult to win these prizes. Mm -hmm. But it's not just about making them hard for the sake of being difficult. 
It's because we, we identify what we think are very meaningful milestones, right? Our founders like to say they're audacious, but achievable. We really think people could do them. Um, but if they were achieved, they would really mean something. When that first spacecraft flew, everyone went, wow, I didn't know that anybody but NASA could actually launch a rocket. Now, yeah. companies like SpaceX yep. do great things. They launch rockets, and we don't say, I didn't even know a private company could launch rockets. They go, oh, yeah, SpaceX had a successful launch. Great. So it's considered a thing now. That Right. And oh, that's, yeah, of course, you can build a rocket and launch it. Yeah, sure. It's no big deal. Part of the purpose of the exactly. prize. I got gotcha. Exactly. So it's meant to show the way, but also have really rigorous uh, technical metrics that you need to hit. So we use this idea uh, that's been around for a few centuries. We're adapting it to modern problems like artificial intelligence. How do we steer that in the trajectory of benefiting humanity to avoid the worst consequences? Right. How do we use it to deal with carbon? How do we use it to explore oceans, which are uh, almost entirely unexplored, the sea floor? We have a prize that's about to wrap up for an autonomous vehicle that could map the ocean floor. Mm. Turns out we have better maps of places like Mars or the moon than we do of planet Earth. Under the sea. How are these prizes funded, Marcus? Great question. We're a not-for-profit foundation. We don't have an endowment. So every prize has got a sponsor. Philanthropists, groups of family offices, sometimes companies will get together. So the one I work on is called the NRG COSIA Carbon X Prize. NRG is an energy company. COSIA is a group of energy companies. They okay. are the ones that put up that 20 million bucks. Gotcha. And we take over and run and design and judge uh, and ma- sort of manage that process um, with their support. So every one of our, you know, the IBM uh, Watson AI Prize, uh, the Shell Ocean Discovery Prize. So I each see. of our prizes is a different sponsor, or the Ansari family called uh, sponsored the Ansari X Prize, the first okay. one. Okay, there you go. That really helps. Thank you very much for the background. And let's let's talk about the specific prize that you are in charge of managing and curating on carbon. And this is a, is it fair to say, a, a climate change-focused prize or game. Can you tell us about your game and the prize that you offer? That's exactly right. I mean, the the big problem we're trying to solve is we know the climate is changing. We know a lot of that is driven by our excess of carbon dioxide emissions. The question is, what do we do about it? There's very little economic incentive to not emit CO2. Right. If there was a penalty or a price or some kind of you know, disincentive from doing it, we probably wouldn't be in the place that we are. But there isn't. Classic uh, tragedy of the commons. You said it best. So what the prize is trying to do is say, all right, is it possible to create an economic incentive to actually reduce your emissions? And specifically, we're asking about transforming carbon dioxide emissions into other useful materials. CO2 is usually considered a waste product. Mm-hmm. You burn a fossil fuel like natural gas, CO2 comes out, and you just get rid of it. You just blow it away. And you, you know it's, it's invisible, it doesn't smell, it's easy to forget. Okay, now there's about 35 gigatons of it every year going up to the atmosphere. It's becoming a problem. The problem's becoming apparent in the oceans, on the coasts, in the Arctic. We see it. Turns out you can transform CO2 from this thing we consider kind of useless today into something valuable, like uh, fabrics, like fuels, like bricks, like carbon fiber. A lot of the materials that we use today can be manufactured from carbon dioxide. The challenge, this Carbon X Prize, is really about show us you can do it, show us you can do it in a way that could actually make money and become a business so that there could be an economic incentive to help climate change by reducing emissions and transforming some of that carbon dioxide into something useful. All right, Marcus. Very interesting, but but you you seem to have uh, skipped a step here in the logic because of what I th- when I think of carbon dioxide, I, of course, think of a gas. I know you can liquefy it. 
I know it comes out the tailpipe, but you tell me I can make a brick out of that. I can make clothing out of that. How? And I know that the, obviously in the prize that's got to be demonstrated. But can you go into a little bit about how that would work? I mean, do you have to separate the oxygen and the carbon from each other, or like how do how do you do that? This is a great question. It should seem like crazy talk and magic to you to say that a clear, yeah, colorless alchemy. liquid gas or a, a colorless odorless gas can turn into a brick or a shoe. We have a pair of shoes in our office, like white sneakers. Uh, that are made out of recycled CO2. So how do you actually do it? We're getting into chemistry now. Yeah. You take the CO2 molecule, one carbon atom, two oxygen atoms. You bust it apart. You take off the oxygens. Maybe you take off both of them. And you add other atoms, maybe hydrogen, um, maybe other compounds. So you chemically transform the carbon dioxide molecule into something else. CH4 is methane. Mm -hmm. Methane is an ingredient in most of the plastics and fabrics we use. Methane is also called natural gas. Usually we get it out of the earth, fossil fuel. You can get it by recycling CO2. Hmm. You can make polyester. You can make polypropylene. You can make pure carbon, forget the oxygen, and arrange them into a nanotube. Now you have a carbon nanotube. You make a carbon fiber. Now you've got a carbon fiber tennis racket, or, you know, I'm into bikes, a carbon fiber bike, let's say. Um, you know, bicycle manufacturers, if you're out there, you know, I want to see you make a CO2-based bike. Mm -hmm. Sneaker companies, I want to see I you make see. a CO2 sneaker. Builders, I'd like you to consider CO2 concrete and build buildings out of it, the building we're sitting in now. So it's a chemical transformation that results from, it starts from the gas, but can end up in a whole range of different materials. Now, I don't want to win the prize right away, but uh, is this not building something out of wood? Is that not what a tree does? You, It takes the carbon out of the air, turns itself into a big powerful you know tree an oak tree for example i mean my i guess my question is uh, when we're talking with Catherine romanock of uh, the bureau of economic geology down at university of texas and they're they're trying to sequester carbon in the planet now they're going from point sources um are you, is that kind of what you're thinking as far as the viability of this we're talking about major producers of co2 and, and that's where you're going to get the the raw material to then go make a sneaker or whatever so the cool thing about this is it doesn't matter where you get the carbon dioxide from. Uh, it's a separate step to then turn it into something. Right, that's true. The Carbon X Prize is focused on the big point sources. To win the prize, you have to do it at a power plant, which are some of the major leading point sources. Right. So there's two sides of the competition. <coughs> use the emissions of a coal plant or use the emissions of a natural gas plant. However, we're also designing a follow-on prize, which is about removal of the carbon, which is exactly what trees do. They take it directly out of the air and make, you know, themselves. They make the wood and the leaves and everything, their roots. Can we come up with almost either better ways of managing forests, managing coastal wetlands, building an engineered device that acts like a mechanical tree that sucks it out of the air? Can we do it using mineralization? Can we use it, get, get CO2 out of the oceans? So this is a separate topic that doesn't necessarily have to result in a product or a material, but focuses more on what trees do, which is all right, how do we just get the CO2, not from point sources, but out of the air? And that's a prize we hope to launch if we can get a great design and a great sponsorship group together in the next couple of years. Wow. And, you know, what's amazing about this is the the aperture of the discussion here. It is very, very broad. This is a huge problem. There are a many, many ways to approach it. And this was what makes the prize approach so great because you're opening up this creative energy exactly, and seeing what people can come up with. You got it. I mean, I'll talk about this carbon removal concept for a second. I can't sit here today and tell you this is the best way to remove carbon right. that's excess. I don't know. I personally don't know. I think in the community of actual experts, there's a lot of pros and cons of various approaches. People are trying to identify different paths. 
what if we could design a prize that said, we don't know how to do it, and we're not even sure which one is going to be the best. Probably there won't be any single best. There'll be a bunch that are good in different contexts. Right. We just love to show that you can do it to a certain efficiency, to a certain speed, uh, to a certain low cost, and we're just going to open it up to everybody. Maybe have people that restore coastal wetlands, which can sequester a ton of CO2, compete with people that manage forests, compete with people that want to extract it from the ocean water, Very compete with people that want to suck it right out of the air, uh, open it up, unlock the creative energy like you said, get people excited about a positive solution, something that's actually going on, and showcase to the world what's possible. Well, I just think uh, the idea of providing this energy, and I mean in terms of the creative energy and the hope that we can begin to contend with the levels of CO2 in the atmosphere and climate change is one of the striking things about listening to Ansari and listening to your presentation is how essential that is. And I got to tell you, most people out there in the world are still struggling with, A, is this really an issue? And B, if it is, there's nothing we can do about it. And you guys are on both of those points. You got it. I mean, I don't blame, you know, this is where the conversation is, is today. One, is this really a thing? Come on, you're telling me that this gas I can't see or smell is actually changing the climate of this big old earth. And then number two, well, maybe it's just hopeless. Okay, we're trying to add the third level to that, which is it's not hopeless. This is a solvable problem. Technology innovation can help. That doesn't mean we're going to only use a technology to sort of fix this. It's going to go much bigger than that. But there are solutions out there. They're within our reach. It's going to take a lot of work to get there. But let's tell the positive stories about what's happening. Let's not ignore the challenges. Let's not ignore the risks. But let's also focus on the optimism, on the opportunity, because that is what's going to motivate people. That's what's going to start the revolution that we need to transition from the kind of economy we have now to something that's more sustainable to, to attack this climate problem. If a prize can generate a bit of excitement, showcase some cool solutions, get people yeah. talking about the issue, that's a big achievement. That's what we want to do. Well, Marcus, I think it's a. I, I think the the idea of a game and a prize, uh, as Peter said, is just really unlocks the creative energy that is uh, sometimes missing. And it's it's fun. And by the way, it, even for those of us who aren't competing in the going for the prize, it's fun for us to spectate and we learn about these different methods. And I mean, we've I think everyone, all of our listeners, I'm sure, have heard of the X Prize. Uh, maybe not this particular one, but I've, how do you structure this prize? Because, um, you know, it's not just a race. It's not just a first over the finish line. You have to demonstrate, and it can come, as Peter said, the aperture is so wide. I mean, it could come from all these different ways. How do you structure uh, a win? What does a win look like? Yeah, exactly right. So the Carbon X Prize has a certain set of rules, and let me break it down in a real simple way. It's not a first, it's not a race, it's not the first person to do it, it's sort of the best to achieve. But there's a certain threshold you gotta cross. So there's a panel of judges that really picks the winner. They're independent of us, they're experts out in the world, they actually volunteer their time to look at the solutions that each team demonstrates. And to win, you have to score well in three basic areas. Number one, uh, your engineering efficiency. As you, are you more efficient, do you use less energy, do you have a higher conversion efficiency from the carbon dioxide into whatever your material making than another team? Basically, are you, you know, can you, are you cleverer than they are? Can you outmaneuver the other teams engineering-wise? Number two, economic variables. What are your rough costs? What's the market size of the material you produce? We're aiming for things that look like they can become businesses, either reduce costs or actually become profitable businesses. So the teams are evaluated on that basis. Number three, the environmental sustainability picture, specifically the carbon accounting. Hmm. There's a lot of ways to make something out of carbon dioxide 
that just burn a lot of carbon dioxide. We're not interested in that. We're interested in things that overall actually reduce CO2. So we look at what's the CO2 footprint of the product you made, of your process, where'd your energy come from? If you needed other ingredients, what's their carbon footprint? And so we have a whole method of approaching that. The winner of this prize is gonna be the person that, one, can actually make something that works every day, day after day, week after week, because it's not just demo at one day. You gotta run it actually for weeks or months. But two, scores the best on those criteria, the economics, the technology, and the environmental sustainability piece. Is there a time when you say, and we are, now we evaluate? Yes, so it's a three-stage competition. We're in the final stage. And to be honest, this is like the high-risk white-knuckle time. We're down wow. to 10 finalists. They're all racing to finish their designs, raise the money to actually do this, because it ain't cheap to actually build one of these demos, and then really field it and run it day after day. So we hope to, all the teams have to submit their data to XPRIZE by next spring, kind of late winter time, and they have between now and then to get it done. They've got space available at these test centers. It's up to them to move in whenever they can, as soon as they can, start building, start working, start running, collect as much data as they need. Once they've got a data set they're happy with, they send it over to our judges. And so it's, you know, just around next time this year, we expect this competition to wrap up with a judge's determination of, all right, based on all these metrics and based on the real demos that we saw, not just presentations, uh, here's your winner. And I think I heard this right. The, the, the competition will occur at a power plant if you're, if you're on the power production competition at a power plant in Wyoming. Is that the case? Exactly. In Wyoming and at another site. Okay. So there's kind of two sub-competitions. One of them is taking place in a town called Gillette, Wyoming. All right. There's a facility there called Integrated Test Center. It's built next to a power station, and the idea is we're going to take some of the emissions from the power plant. We can't use up all of them. We're just going to take a small fraction of them, provide electricity, provide water, provide a test space. And there's actually five test spaces for the five Interesting. Finalists. Each of them's got to show up there or run something. There's a parallel facility called Alberta Carbon Conversion Technology Center. That's in Calgary in Alberta. That is fed by a natural gas plant. Same type of setup, except the emissions are coming from natural gas. All right. Here's water. Here's electricity. Here's space. Go for it. Yeah. So this isn't uh, turning a, a, a paper like you do in college. Tell me yeah. what your great idea is and, yeah. you know, do some graphs. This is get out in the real world, bring your idea, finance it, bring the technology that you've developed and tested and plug it into a real thing and let's see how it works. That's kind of amazing. It is amazing. I mean, I'll just give you an example. So th I went to engineering uh, school for college and I had, you know, build a bridge out of cardboard. You got two weeks to do it. Right. You, you really have to build it. We're going to test it. Or, you know, wire up a circuit. You got a month to do it. We're going to test it. Okay. This is that times a thousand. This is yeah. build a tiny little factory. Uh, there's a team called C4X. Okay. They're based between China and Canada. They make kind of a foamed plastic and another polymer called polypropylene mm -hmm. out of CO2. They're building a unit in China. They've got to figure out how to get that thing running, put it on a ship, ship it over to Wyoming, land it, set it up. I haven't even talked about getting all their environmental permits. Wow. Okay. They're going to do all that. They're going to land it. They're going to plug it into this test facility and turn it on and get it running. Woo. They've got to get all that done, you know, in the next 10, 12 months. And all the other nine teams are trying to do the same thing. So if you win and if you win, what do you, what's the prize on this thing? 20 million bucks. $20 million. Okay. A cool 20 mil. A cool 20 mil. It's not bad, you know. I would, no. yeah. I think it's well-deserved actually. I mean, anybody, I mean, I, I'm at, I suppose that if you have uh, gone through, and I'm curious to know, I'll just pause my comment on that, but how long, we're in phase three, where we've got, what, you said 10 months to go. 
um, when did this, what was the beginning of phase one? Uh, when did, when did teams like start? So we kicked this whole thing off in September of 2015. So coming up on, you know, four years ago. And at that time we said, guess what? We're going to do this thing called NRG COSIA Carbon X Prize. Anyone and everyone should consider entering. You know, we had sort of an eight or nine month kind of recruitment registration period. We got about 47 47 separate entries from around the world that came in. Um, The judges, and you've got to submit a paper. The judges looked at those papers. That was the first round. They picked 27 semifinalists. The 27 semifinalists had to actually build a working system, but at a small scale, something that could fit in the size of a little room in the lab. The best 10 of those, after we looked at all the demos and looked at all their data, were selected for the finals. Hmm. And now we're kind of in year two of the finals. Supposed to wrap up next year, so it's I got you. A three phase thing. So uh, now I know you're not a judge, and uh, and you're being, like the commissioner. You're the commissioner, exactly, but of the NFL uh, or exactly. And I know you can't tip your hand, but I got to ask you, what was what's your favorite, or what was the most innovative and interesting submission, even if in it if it didn't get to the final ten? What has surprised you the most in the in, in the submissions you've received? One of the cool things about this competition has been the diversity of different solutions that we've seen, even more than we expected. You know, we study the topic before we launch the prize when we're designing it to figure out, all right, what is actually going on out there? What are we likely to see? Uh, What we've seen in the competition has even surpassed our expectation in terms of diversity uh, and quality. So we have teams that are trying to make bricks and building materials. We've got another group of teams that are trying to make things like liquid fuel, like uh, methanol, okay, which is sort of an alternative to gasoline, industrial chemicals. We have a group of teams that are making wacky stuff like carbon nanotubes and graphene, nanoparticles made of graphene that could be an additive in some other materials, coatings, bricks, carbon fiber. Some of the really interesting and unusual submissions that we saw uh, in past rounds were things like proteins. You can make edible products made out of CO2. It's a bit of a mind twist because we're talking about pollution turning into something edible you know <laughs> think carefully about that you know people think cheetos are sort of artificial <laughs> i mean Listen. we've gone down this path i don't know <laughs> I, lo- I love cheetos so i'm not gonna touch that but listen making food products or you know replacing things like palm oil which are very useful but have a lot of environmental devastation issues associated what if we could have a more sustainable way of making a food product an oil uh which you know we use around the world every day that'd be a real win for the agricultural sector, animal feeds, fish feeds. If many of these things could be done with dramatically less carbon footprint, that'd be a huge win. So the intersection of agri-food with CO2 is uh, something unexpected. Um, Maybe one other I'll just throw out is there are some really, really interesting ideas uh, that that I think are emerging about even generating electricity by injecting CO2 into the earth. One of Hmm. the most interesting proposals we got was called the earth battery shout out to those guys they have a way of injecting co2 into the earth that generates electricity and stores co2 they're not in the finals but they're an example of something that just made us go wow that could really be something that's incredible and that's what this prize approach does it's it's in the private sector we're not talking about the government although i love the u.s department of energy and all our government scientists who do incredible work but this is a little bit different um, before we wrap this up, I think uh, a question I posed dur- during the, p- the panel, really I'm interested in 45Q, the IRS provision that provides a carbon a, a tax credit 
for carbon sequestration uh, in secure geologic storage, $50 per ton. Uh, if it is for sequestration straight, 35 bucks a ton. If it's for enhanced oil recovery, uh, I, I personally, I would love to get your take on the, on the $35 per ton uh, credit for enhanced oil recovery. That bothers me, but I, I feel like there's more to it, and maybe I don't understand it. What are your thoughts on the tax credit as an incentive? Is it functional? What, what, tell us what you think about that, and it must be on the plate of some of these guys. It absolutely is. I think the tax credit overall is great. I'm not going to say that it's the perfect measure. But I think it's a really, really important step that's really going to help the field drive forward. And here's why. It's a signal to large industrial operators that, hey, there's a real additional incentive for you right. to pay attention to some of these innovators that are trying to get meetings with you, bang down your door to say, hey, I've got a method. I've got a small solution. I'm in the Carbon X Prize. I'm doing some other project. Uh, there's a reason for you to pay attention to me uh, because together we can develop a large system. And that 45Q is something we can add into our arithmetic, add into our business planning right. that we can rely on that's going to shift the economics, hopefully just enough in favor to get a lot of these projects going. Wow. I think it's really targeted at larger operations, but that doesn't mean smaller operations can't participate. Um, Occidental Petroleum and Chevron have invested in a company called Carbon Engineering. They pull CO2 out of the air yeah. and they make a jet fuel. Wow. Now they operate in Canada. I suspect they might start you know, in future, maybe some pilots in the mm -hmm. United States. The point is, it's got companies like that talking to each other. And that's the kind of partnership that can really dramatically develop the technology and then deploy it and apply it and spread it around. Ultimately, uh, whether we're talking about enhanced oil recovery, 35 bucks, 50 bucks sequestration, yeah. the thing I'm most interested in is, what's the carbon savings? Let's yeah. talk about the carbon budget. If it reduces carbon emissions, sure. If it's negative emissions, if it's carbon neutral, if it's offsetting, yeah. I'm interested. Yeah, right. There's a lot of ways to get there. Um, but that's, I think, the most important question from the perspective of the coast, from the oceans, from the climate, et cetera. Well, I really appreciate that. That's the first person I've heard link it to innovation and the because it is an investor available tax credit. So there's real economic drivers here. And I was curious about the number. Um, we've we haven't been able to get a good feel for how much sequestration can you know, be capable of doing, but 50 million tons a year and 100 million uh, tons a year does come into the discussion. And at 50 bucks a ton, you're talking about real money here. So uh, I'm glad to hear that it's gotten the attention of the producers in the large scale operations that uh, produce carbon. And it's the wedding with the, it's the marriage with the innovators, maybe with your XPRIZE teams. That's what we hope, right? I mean, I think this year is when we will see the first uh, applications of that tax credit. Right. I think we'll see the first filings and applications for the credit. And that will help uh, us figure out, you know, who's actually using it whose behavior has been changed because of this. And those first filings will be a signal to everyone else. Oh, so-and-so is doing it? Okay, interesting. Let's see what they're doing. Are they really making money doing it? Are they offsetting their costs? How can we get a piece of that? If we can generate that kind of snowball effect, um, then we'll actually have achieved something, and that can be a great legacy of 45Q. Uh, last question, and it really has to do with the essential, how essential is the profit motive, do you think, as the XPIs team here, uh, in in really getting a handle on on CO2 emissions or in climate change, it, it, it sounds like that's built into the price that you have here. That it's got to be profitable, and if people can make money, we have a chance. Is that fair? 
to I say. Think, I think the idea of building a technology that can be economically sustainable, that means reducing cost or actually being profitable, is absolutely at the core of the prize. I think it's a crucial incentive. I don't think it's the only one. Mm -hmm. I don't think we're going to, you know, uh, profit our way out of this problem, so to speak. But there's no question that a solution that actually works and is profitable can scale. Yeah. It means there's a lot of different reasons why people will come to it and say, I'd like to do that. Uh, there are pure climate motivations. Frankly, there are people that are going to be like, you know, I don't really pay attention too much to the climate accounting, but this is going to help my balance sheet and I'd like to do that. If it's helping the carbon balance, great. Yeah. So the profit motive is absolutely one of them. There's a moral imperative to act on climate. There's a public incentive. I think a mix of private, profit-driven, public, uh, and frankly, citizen action uh, initiatives, that's how we actually tackle this problem. But absolutely, building a sustainable business, if that can be part of it, why not go for why that? Not? And the prize is trying to open that up. Good point. Well, I just think it's just, I, I think that EarthX and seeing uh, so many of these panelists and speakers come in, and in fact, in interviewing Tony Keene, the uh, CEO of this uh, whole enterprise here, uh, prior to coming, you know, this is what the spirit of this event is about. It's about bringing together uh, private sector people along with activists and seeing what kind of synergies exist. And I think that's exactly what you're telling me. And I really appreciate and uh, I, I appreciate that. I think that the solution will be an all of the above thing. And uh, I don't have a problem with the profit motive in there. Indeed. Well, Dr. Marcus Extivar, the uh, with the X Prize carbon competition, $20 million prize at stake, I guess going to be awarded in, what, in the next year, maybe. Uh, but really, thank you very much for being on the American Shoreline podcast and uh, helping us better understand that there's hope in the world. There absolutely is. It's a pleasure, guys. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you very much. Down on the road, mountains so old, far